Good morning. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, as George, George pointed out, we are in the season of Christmas. It is the third day of Christmas, and so Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, I, hope, I really hope all of you had a wonderful Christmas, even though it probably looked a little bit different than what, uh, what you had expected. Uh, I know many of you uh, probably found it a little bit harder this year to get into the season, the season's excitement without the parties leading up to the service, uh, leading up to the day, or the services that, that gets a, get us excited uh, for the birth of Christ, where we gather together inside the church and sing and, and hold candles and, and sing Silent Night and all, that, uh, and all of that. I don't know about you, but uh, this year I'm especially uh, I'm, I'm eagerly waiting, uh, counting down the days for next Christmas where we can, I can be with family and, and friends and, and sing together uh, the praises to God. However, even without the parties, even without, uh, without uh, the 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 live church services, we have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to hope because our God has done exactly what he said he would do. He has come to us. He has given us a Messiah. And for that reason, for that reason, we have confident hope. Unlike any time of the year, Christmas grounds us in the present. We celebrate the birth of a child who was born 2,000 years ago, a long time ago, in a town that most of us probably haven't been to. And yet, at the same time, during Christmas, we celebrate the gifts that that child, Jesus Christ, pours out onto us each and every day. And at Christmas, we look forward to the future when Christ comes again and fulfills his promises that he gave to us by bringing us into his eternal kingdom. In other words, Christmas captures our wait for God perfectly. This is what we have. This is what we celebrate this time of the year. Our wait for God. Our wait for God. You know, I think it'd be safe to say that most of us uh, don't really feel like we have to wait for God. In fact, I think most of us, uh, most of the point, most points in our, in our lives, we're, we're actually waiting for him to, uh, we're asking him to hold on a second. Lord, uh, come back in a few days. There's a couple things that I need to get done, right? There's always something that we're looking forward to, something that we have left undone that we need to get done before, uh, before things are, are through. I don't know, I, I don't remember much about my, uh, about my wedding, I don't know what it is about me, but uh, significant points in my life uh, are just kind of a blur to me. Uh, however, I do remember my rehearsal dinner the night before. And the reason why I remember it is because before the meal, my grandpa got up and he prayed. And in his prayer, he didn't ask once, but he asked twice, God, come now, come quickly, Lord. We want you to return now. And I remember thinking to myself, hold on a second, God. Just hold on for 24, 48 hours before you return. Uh, just set my grandpa's prayer aside. Give me, a couple, uh, give me a couple days. So often, we are looking forward uh, to what is to come. We're caught up in what's before us and what we need to do that, that 
this wait for God, it doesn't really feel real. However, this year, our lives have been put on hold. Our calendars have been wiped clean, and, and really, the primary thing that we've been doing is waiting. Waiting for our jobs to return. Waiting for school to go back in session. Waiting for test results to, uh, to come through. Waiting for things to go back to normal. We've been waiting and waiting. And in that waiting, it has become really clear to us that the world that we live in is flawed. It is broken. That there's something that needs to change, something that needs to be fixed. I've been teaching uh, middle school and high school religion uh, on and off for about four years now, and I never really had to address the problem of evil until this year, which I feel, uh, it seems as if it's been a weekly occurrence. Everyone has this sense that something is broken, that something needs to be done. But all we can do is wait. And so, for that reason, I think that this year, this Christmas in particular, we can all empathize with Simeon and Anna that we read about in Luke's Gospel in chapter 2. This is uh, a story that happens right uh, shortly after Christmas when Christ, uh, when Christ is presented at the temple and uh, is, is ritually cleansed. And Luke introduces us to these two characters, to Simeon and Anna. Simeon went to the temple to see his Messiah. He was waiting at the temple to see him. And I'm sure that to many people, Simeon's waiting, it seemed a little strange. What was this guy doing? Who was he waiting for? But Simeon had a reason. Because God had come to Simeon through his Holy Spirit and told him that he was going to see his Messiah. He was going to see the Savior of the world before he died. And then one day, led by the Holy Spirit, his eyes were opened up and what what he saw was this young family. He saw his Savior held in the arms of his young mother. Simeon had joy, just welled, the joy of Simeon just welled up inside of him and he ran to Mary and, and, and to Jesus and he proclaimed, uh, he just lifted up his voice, his, his praise, and he said, Lord, now let your servant go in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, we don't know how long Simeon waited at the temple. We don't know how often he went to the temple, but we do know the end result. God made a promise, and he kept it. However, Simeon's joy, it wasn't just in the fact that God kept his promises to him. It was in the fact that God kept his promise to his people. He fulfilled the promises that he gave to his people long ago. The promises that we read about in the Old Testament. Now, studying the Old Testament, reading the Old Testament, it may seem a little strange. 
considering that it's about a very specific group of people and a very specific point in time. And these people were called to do very specific things that really have no relation to what we live, uh, to how we live today. At least that's what it seems. And yet, God has kept his word. He's kept these uh, he has kept these books for us because in them we hear his promises. A promise to restore his people back to him. A promise to restore all of creation into perfection. That he was going to send a Messiah. It's, an important, it's in this promises that we hear, starting with Adam and Eve, flowing through the waters of Noah and through the descendants of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that we hear God speak, I am with you and I am going to bring you peace. This is what our God promises us. In the Old Testament, we read about how God is going to send Messiah. And we hear about his people about the joy that these promises brought to them. Isaiah is one of the great prophets, and, and we read his words quite often in, during Christmas time because of the joy that is found in them, because of the hope that we read in his words. Oftentimes we read from chapters 7 and, and chapters 40. We hear these, these chapters all the time in Christmas. But today, we read not only of the joy of the promises, uh, the promises that God gives, gives to us, but the joy of the triumph of God keeping those promises. Isaiah writes in chapter 60, 61, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. From generation to generation, God has promised to his people that they were to be glorified, that he was going to bring ever everlasting peace to his world that the sword, the sword would be beaten and plowshares and all nations would be gathered around his throne and sing in one voice of his praises. He promised peace and paradise of easy and free communal living. But most of all, he promised that he was going to do this by his very own hand. It was in this little newborn child that, that Simeon saw all that God had promised to him. It's for this reason that he broke out saying, for my eyes have seen your salvation and a glory to your people Israel. God kept his promises. Now we share in Simeon's confidence. We share in Simeon's weight. Like Simeon, God has given us the promise of eternal peace and his ever-present glory. And like Simeon, we have been led by the Spirit to believe these things, to trust in his promises. And again, like Simeon, we live in this time between the promises given and the promises fulfilled. But unlike Simeon, 
we have even more reason to confidently wait because our God has already begun his, uh, his work of restoration. He's already started. Christ has come and he has done the very thing that he promised he would do. The very thing that he promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. The very thing that he promised to Simeon and the thing that he has promised to us. He has definitively put an end to death's reign by going to the cross, by going to the grave, and rising again. Just as we heard from Paul, just as we hear from Paul in Galatians 4, when he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if you are a son, then an heir through God. We have experienced the transformation that our God has promised us. He has sent His Holy Spirit upon us and made us into His heirs, brothers and sisters alongside Christ. And so as heirs, we faithfully serve our, pro- our, our Father in His kingdom and confidently trust in, uh, that He will fulfill His promise. Like Simeon, we have held our Savior through His gifts and have been filled with His Spirit. But we have also heard what our Savior has done for us. We have heard about His ministry. We have heard how He walked among the people, how He proclaimed His love, how He proclaimed His salvation. We have heard about how He went to the cross, how He carried us in His arms, how He carried us into the grave and through death's veil, and how he will carry us into, his para- into paradise with him in the, res- in the resurrection. Jesus Christ has done exactly what God said he would do. And for this reason, we know that we have a God not just of promises, but of promises kept. Now, people may look at us and, and think that we're foolish, that our hope is unfounded. Some may find our hope strange, because, well, it's, it's been 2,000 years since Christ walked among us. It's been 2,000 years since, since that first Christmas. Things don't look all that much, all, don't look any more peaceful. And, and, and death is still very much a part of our life. Uh, swords have been set down, but only to pick up even deadlier of weapons. Some may say, where is God? Has God left us? Have we killed him? Some may look at us and and wonder, is he really there? But we know. We know who our God is. Our confidence is not in vain. Our hope is not unfounded. God has not forgotten us. He has done exactly what he said he would do, even though it may be shrouded in mystery to our eyes. This is not just wishful thinking. We can look to the past. We can look to the words that he has given to us in the Old Testament. 
where time and time again, he, prom- he gives a promise to his people that he is with them, that he is going to carry them, that he is going to love them. And he does just that. Even when everything points against that, against him. Sometimes he takes a while. Simeon held out that he would see the Messiah even though it had been over 400 years since the last prophet spoke. Despite all this, God did what he promised he would do. God has not forgotten us. We have seen him, we have seen him keep ancient promises, and that is what Christmas is all about. God has sent us a Messiah, and he has kept his promises, and so we wait. Now, we don't know when Christ is going to return. We don't really know what to look for since, you know, the signs they uh, the signs that were given, they've, they've been around for us since, since, he, since his ascension. But we do know what our God has promised us. He will return in glory to raise up all believers, including every generation waiting in the grave, so that as one people, we will lift up our voices of praise as he sits on his everlasting throne of peace. This is what we look forward to during Christmas. This is where our hope lies. So as we look to the new year, yes, we hope for, uh, for the pandemic to end and for normalcy to resume. And we pray for wars to, uh, wars to end and, and peace and prosperity to be had by all. But our hope ultimately rests in the promises that our God has given to us. They rest on Christ and Christ alone. So as we look to the new year, as we celebrate the birth of our Christ. Let us look forward for the return. Let us wait with patience and with confidence, trusting in his promise to return, to complete the transformation that he has made in us and the restoration that he has started in all of creation. As we face further uncertainty and anticipate the return of normalcy, let us never forget who our God is. He is faithful. He is love And he is a God of promises kept. So again, as we look toward to the new year, wait with patience and confidence in Christ. He is coming. Though we may all pass away before he does, he will come again. And he has not just, he has not left us alone. He has given us his spirit. He has given his spirit to us. And for that reason, we can, we can rejoice in the life that Jesus has already given to us. He has made you his child. He has transformed you into the very heir of his kingdom. He's done this through his son. And he has given you his spirit so that you will never be alone. And so through his spirit, share the hope that only God can bring. There is no hope more certain than the hope that we have in Christ. There's no hope more certain than the promises that our God continues to give to us. So for this reason, share that hope. Share the greatest hope, the greatest joy that we can bring to others. As we do so, as we look towards the future, as we wait, eagerly wait for the coming of our Savior, may the peace of Christ be with you all. Amen.